I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. I want to talk today about two ideas that I've been meditating on quite a bit of late, creativity and efficiency, and specifically about how and why they have absolutely nothing to do with each other. In fact, I would argue that the creative process actively resists efficiency. Creativity is messy and organic and chock full of what startup people like to call friction, which is, let's be honest, a little bit frustrating because everything else around us just seems to keep moving faster and faster and becoming more and more frictionless. We can watch movies instantly. We can listen to music instantly. We can practically get our groceries instantly. So many things in our everyday lives and our working lives are becoming more efficient. We become accustomed to a kind of effortless convenience. Ask and ye shall receive. And I think there's a really interesting tension here between the pace of technology and the pace of creativity. It's a tension that the writer Lewis Hyde captures perfectly in his classic book, The Gift, where he makes a distinction between work and creative labor. Here's Hyde. Work is what we do by the hour. It begins, and if possible, we do it for money. Welding car bodies on an assembly line is work. Washing dishes, computing taxes, walking the rounds in a psychiatric ward, picking asparagus. These are work. Labor, on the other hand, sets its own pace. We may get paid for it, but it's harder to quantify. Writing a poem, raising a child, developing a new calculus, resolving a neurosis, invention in all forms, these are labors. Work is an intended activity that is accomplished through the will. A labor can be intended, but only to the extent of doing the groundwork or of not doing things that would clearly prevent the labor. Beyond that, creative labor has its own schedule. And then he adds this rather striking footnote. There is no technology, no time-saving device that can alter the rhythms of creative labor. When the worth of labor is expressed in terms of exchange value, therefore, creativity is automatically devalued every time there is an advance in the technology of work. What an astute observation. Creativity is automatically devalued every time there is an advance in the technology of work. As the technology of work speeds up and becomes increasingly more efficient, we begin to think that creativity should also become more efficient, that there must be a way to do creative work that's better, faster, more scalable. But is there? A few months ago, I did an interview where I talked 
about my workflow and my creative process. And at one point in the conversation, I explain how I really like to get into all the details of creating something at a very granular level. So, for example, I used to put on a conference, and I would, of course, do the big stuff like curating speakers, but I would also sink my teeth into the tiny little details, like personally making the music mixes that would play during breaks, or analyzing how items would be presented in the welcome bags. And a few days after this interview was published, I got a message on Twitter from an internet acquaintance who had read it. He sent me a picture of the section that I just described, and he said, As I was reading this, I kept thinking that you will lower the odds that you will be able to do all of the things that you want to do by working in this way. Which, on the face of it, seemed to be a comment about my creative process and how efficient it was, or wasn't, as the case may be. The suggestion being that I wouldn't be able to accomplish as much because I was working in a way that wasn't scalable. But the thing is, going slow and caring about every little detail is my creative process and is what makes that process enjoyable for me. And if I delegated that or I streamlined that to make things more scalable, I think two things would happen. One you would get a different product, and two, I would have less fun. Which raises the question, what's more important? Doing all the things or enjoying the things that you're doing? Let me give you another example. In the first season of Chef's Table, a TV show on Netflix, there's a beautiful episode about Nikki Nakayama, who runs the restaurant En Naka in Los Angeles which does Japanese tasting menus in the kaiseki style and is one of the most well-regarded restaurants in the city. As the show unfolds, it rapidly becomes clear that Nakayama is incredibly hands-on and detail-oriented in terms of every aspect of the dining experience. She and her partner Carol, who is also the sous chef, do all of the food shopping themselves every day. They also do almost all of the cooking and all of the plating themselves. What's more, Nakayama keeps a record of every guest who has ever dined at Ennaka, and she records what they liked and what they didn't like. She does this so that when that guest returns, she can tailor their meal to their specific tastes, but without repeating herself. Which basically means that she is preparing a semi-unique menu for every single guest every single night. Which is both incredibly difficult to orchestrate and extremely labor-intensive. Her approach is the polar opposite of efficiency. But it is also what makes Nakayama and her restaurant completely remarkable. And if you read reviews from people who have dined at Ennaka, they all say the same thing. This was the best meal of my life. This was an utterly memorable experience. I will compare every other meal I ever eat to this meal. The entire experience was sublime. And so on. Nakayama's inefficient and unscalable process is precisely what creates an experience that is unique and unforgettable. 
one of the things that I said in the interview I mentioned a few moments ago is that I strongly believe that the amount of love and care you put into a project is always apparent. Even if people are not conscious of it, they can sense when you've paid attention to every little detail. This is what people feel when they eat at Ennaka. And this is what people feel when they experience a great work of art or hold a lovingly crafted object. They feel the time that you put into it and all of the inefficiencies that went into it and all of the love and the care that went into it. And that's what makes it special. Creativity resists efficiency. No one can tell you how much time something should take because creativity is not measurable on a time clock. It's not practical or efficient or objectively quantifiable. What it is is deeply personal. I've worked on a pretty wide range of creative projects in my career thus far. I've made books and magazines and newsletters. I put together conferences, made podcasts, created an online course. I've done some of these projects largely on my own and others as part of a small team. But one thing has been consistent across all of these endeavors. Every time I describe one of my projects to someone, they always have one of two reactions. They either say, how did you do so much with so little? Or they say, is that all you're doing? As in, wow, you made that podcast all by yourself? Or is making a podcast all you're doing? Or holy crap, you organized this conference with a team of three people? That's amazing. Or is organizing a conference all you're doing? Two responses at completely opposite ends of the spectrum for every creative project I've ever done, which just goes to show you that no one knows how long it takes to make anything, which also means that no one knows what pace your creative process should unfold at, except for you. And no one knows what boundaries you need to set up to protect that process, but you. And no one knows how much you should obsess about the details or how far you should go and when you should say, this is enough, but you. Remarkable creative projects don't come from efficiency. If anything, I would say that they come from inefficiency from doggedly ignoring all the rules and saying, I am going to devote an ungodly amount of time to this thing that no one else thinks is important, but that I think is important. Great creative work comes from slowing down when everyone else is rushing around and saying, I'm going to take my time and notice this thing that everyone else is missing and really sit with it and contemplate it and craft it to create something remarkable, something that's even more remarkable because no one else would have taken the time. So the next time you feel stuck or rushed or judged for your quote-unquote inefficiencies, remember that they are also your strength because great art comes from working at your own pace. For those of you who enjoy listening to Hurry Slowly and want to go deeper, 
A quick reminder that this is the last week to register for my brand new online course, Reset, a cosmic tune-up for your workday. Reset is a deceptively simple and fun four-week program that will show you how to work in a way that's intentional, energizing, and inspiring. If you'd like to join me in making a fresh start for the new year, visit reset-course.com to book your spot now. Once again, that's reset-course.com. Registration is only open through this Friday, January 18th. As always, much appreciation to Matt Susich for producing this show and to Devin Craig Johnson for composing our soothing theme music. Thanks for listening, and remember to take your time. <laughs>